Welcome to Third Fridays, the monthly legal talk show from Lois LLC featuring attorney Christian Cisson. This is the original forum in which real attorneys discuss workers' compensation issues, share their opinions, and engage in colorful conversations. This show showcases diverse perspectives of attorneys handling workers' comp cases, including case law trends, practical litigation strategies, and hot topics. Here's your host, Christian Cisson. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Christian Cisson, and welcome to the October 2020 edition of the Third Fridays podcast. A little bit different locale this month. Uh, I'm actually uh, here to you from Stockton Springs, Maine. Uh, it's been a nice little getaway to enjoy some fall golf uh, in the Northeast and unplug for a little bit before the weather gets uh, a little bit colder here on the East Coast. Uh, but let's recap exactly what we discussed last month. Uh, my guest was Addison O'Donnell uh, from the firm as we talked about the erosion of the labor market attachment defense. Now, uh, certainly COVID-19 has changed uh, our world in so many different ways, but we always look at it from the perspective of how does it change the way we defend employers. And the interesting thing that the board has decided to do with that defense uh, is to simply hold it off. State that uh, the position noted by the employer is valid, but it won't hear argument until the quote-unquote state of emergency has been lifted in Albany. And the difficult thing about that for employers and carriers is that that basically strips the them of the defense entirely. Uh, also, in a world where we are getting outside of the house, we are performing a lot of the same things that uh, we used to do, as we slowly get back and progress towards normalcy and to prevent the claimant from looking for work within his or her restrictions essentially keeps the claimant out of work and that's the goal of workers compensation is to provide care and wage replacement benefits to bring a claimant back to work and the board's way of handling the COVID-19 pandemic has definitely provided an impact on a legal defense labor market attachment. So take a look at that episode. Uh, it was episode 43, September 2020, with my guest Addison O'Donnell. And I guess I wanted to talk about that podcast a little bit in more detail than uh, past recaps because today uh, I'm here solo. So I guess uh, at this point we can now see the data drop and everybody jump off their uh, phones and computers uh, because they don't want to listen to just me. But uh, here we are. And I wanted to use uh, this time to really talk about uh, one of uh, our chief initiatives here at Lois Law Firm, and that's to defend from day one. Uh, it was many, many years ago that... I was in California training a new client, uh, and uh, a risk manager came up to me and said, this is our packet that we give to employees 
when they sustain a work accident or allege that one has uh, occurred. And it clicked with me to then offer that kind of analysis across the board to every client. What happens when a work accident occurs? Are we doing the right things to defend from day one? Because ultimately, while most claims are accepted, the idea of bringing a protection barrier to our claims can help in the event that the claimant does not ultimately want to return to work or uh, presumably wants to litigate everything under the sun. And uh, defending from day one gives us the process to be proactive instead of reactive. So some of the things we discuss are uh, our initial procedures as an employer. What are we doing when the accident is first brought to our attention? And they also discuss what do we do from a carrier's perspective, right? What documents do we want to file early? And what documents uh, are we preserving for trial? How often are we in contact with uh, employers, past medical providers, and building a defense not at the first hearing, right? We want to be prepared prior to that hearing so we can get the case off on the right track. So the reason we want to go back was actually uh, brought to my attention by the third department of uh, the appellate division of the state of New York. And earlier this month, on October 1st, a decision was issued in the case of Sanchez versus New York City Transit Authority. Now, if anybody uh, wants to nerd out with me, the citation for that uh, legal decision is 2020 WL582-1866 because it's such a new opinion. Uh, there isn't a third department citation or a reporter citation, uh, so I can only give you uh, a Westlaw citation at this time. In that claim, we have an occupational injury alleged to the neck, back, left shoulder, left hip, and left hand. And off the bat, we want to clearly understand that a litany of body parts resulting from work over time, you know, based on repetitive use, should be the first red flag. I mean, what is the claimant trying to do? Well, occupational claims are typically retirement programs from the claimant, right? Uh, if a claimant has uh, had enough of uh, working for the employer, then they will file this repetitive use claim especially because they may not be able to pinpoint a certain accident or a direct trauma that would have resulted in these injuries. Now, on the administrative level, it seems like this particular employer and carrier did everything correctly. Records were produced from 2013 from uh, a doctor that probably wasn't well-versed in, in workers' compensation, and the doctor uh, noted that the claimant's back pain was better with rest and medication, but lifting, bending, and carrying heavy weight made it worse. And when we bring back a medical from 2013 to argue that a 2016 claim is time barred, 
what we are doing is we are stating that Section 28 prevents a claimant from filing an occupational disease claim if that claim filing is outside of the two-year disablement period and after the claimant knew or should have known that the disease is or was due to the nature of employment. So the employer presumably argued, and the board accepted this to be a valid uh, proposition, that the claimant knew or should have known that her injuries in 2013 were related to work. And therefore, filing a claim in 2016 would be time barred under Section 28. The appellate division took a different position, which is a little bit concerning for us, but it does remind us that uh, we can develop the record for these types of claims, even in spite of an unfavorable decision from the courts. So what we have here is a rebuild of a 2013 story, right? So let's start there, because occupational claims should also have, or should always have, the theory of time in the background, right? We're trying to build this timeline from the earliest anchor date to the latest anchor date. And if our first anchor date happens in 2013, what we want to do is, can we rebuild that story, that, that, that event in 2013? Because nobody goes to the doctor. Well, I won't, I won't say nobody. Most people don't go to the doctor unless they need to. So something had to have happened in 2013. And again, uh, the, the appellate division doesn't uh, provide the records of the, uh, you know, the case file. So uh, I'm not saying that this employer didn't do this, but certainly it's a nice little reminder to find out uh, are all of our claims being handled in a way where we can preserve defenses and protect information. So if we go back to trying to rebuild a 2013 story, right? Is there anything odd in the claimant's employment personnel file that would give us more information, right? Were there disciplinary reasons in 2016 as the late anchor date? What was the reason the claimant left work in 2016? Because what the appellate division did was it said that the 2013 medical record didn't specifically comment on causal relationship. And when she filed the claim, of course, the claimant now has medical indicating that her injuries are related to her occupational duties. So they said that if the medical from 2016 gives the claimant the idea that her injuries are related to work, then she would not have to file a claim until 2018 because that would be two years within the disablement period. And so we still have to make our argument stronger for that 2013 date of disablement. How do we do that? We're rebuilding the story from 2013 all the way to 2016. So in 2013, what is included in the claimant's personnel file that would understandably link an occupational filing to that date of disablement. So all the evidence that we can produce for 2013 is gonna be paramount. Did she take any 
short-term or long-term disability leaves? Were there any applications for the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA? Is there anything that would give us reason to believe that the claimant really needed that treatment in 2013? Because the more that we probe into that date, the stronger the argument is for making that date of disablement stick. Who was around at that time? What witnesses could have seen the claimant performing her job duties in 2013? Who was her supervisor at that time? Who can comment on the types of job duties? Because in the case where a 2013 medical shows that injuries are based on certain activities that are present within the claimant's job, that should be enough. But if the third department is saying that's not enough, then we need to probe further. How do we link a 2013 medical to the claimant's knowledge that those activities and injuries are related? Well, we have to rebuild that story in 2013. Prior claims reports. What other insurance claims are the claimant uh, are associated with the claimant? Motor vehicle accidents, any type of um, you know uh, prior claim filed by the claimant to show that maybe there is an even earlier date of disablement than 2013. And gathering all that together, can we provide an IME doctor with information that is more than just medical reports? It's okay to do that. As long as we're abiding by Section 137, providing notice and providing copies of the evidence that the IME doctor is going to review, then we're in okay shape. And oftentimes, an IME doctor is going to agree on causal relationship if he or she does not have anything to dispute the claimant's history of her injuries. So providing them with alternate theories of a history, such as all the medical from 2013, could help an IME dispute causal relationship. Again and again and again, I want to say that uh, it seems like everything did go right as far as, you know, getting a good result. But it doesn't mean that the record was developed with everything that it could have through no fault of either party in this particular case. So how do we defend from day one? Well, when that claim is first filed, we should immediately be thinking red flags based on the body parts that are involved. Then we want to figure out what happened in 2016, right? It's very clear that the claimant filed her claim as a retirement program because it mirrors the time that she left work. So what happened? What happened in 2016 that can provide an alternate theory of why the claimant is not working? Is it a retirement? Is it a project ending? Is it a transfer? 
Is it something not having to do with the jurisdiction of the Workers' Compensation Board? And we are okay with rebuilding that story. We think about time being the theme for occupational claims, and we rebuild the story from the first medical report in 2013. What was the claimant's life like back then? And the more evidence that you can drag to an earlier anchor date, the better off you will be in arguing for a disallowance under Section 28. And that is the process of defend from day one. It will be very, very hard to do this in every claim. But if we do it early and we investigate the nature of a claim to predict how the claimant will react, the key is that the claimant will react. Because oftentimes from a defense perspective, if we react, we're on our heels. But being proactive and knowing where we are within the defense timeline is of tantamount importance. So for everybody that has stayed with me uh, on a solo podcast this month, uh, I thank you. Uh, you can probably look forward to uh, a more Thanksgiving-friendly uh, edition I, when I, uh, next month. When I, when I say that, I mean I should have some, uh, a guest or two to, to kind of help me uh, with, with the show. Uh, but I hope that uh, everything provided today regarding occupational claims and defend from day one uh, did strike a chord uh, because we can certainly put uh, more time early into our defenses to help us later on in the claim. My name is Christian Cisan. Uh, this has been the Third Fridays podcast, your first choice on the only day where the New York Workers' Compensation Board does not have any hearings. Thank you for listening.